0: Hi, it's Casey, shining on this week with guests who can finally say they wrote the book. Have you considered it? Do you know someone who should? Listen in and be inspired by a former radio news reporter. It took her 19 years to write her book. And for a young real estate agent, her dream came true in eight years. And a grandma whose children's story written over 40 years ago is now available in paperback. Plus, who is looking for love? Brooklyn therapist Shamin Ajan has some advice from her very first book, Seeking Soulmate. That's on the way. First, are you reading The Abundance Project by Derek Rydall? That's our first Shine On Book Club pick, and we're going to get together and talk about it on June 3rd in Garrison. Get details at Casey.co. And while we're making plans, I'm hosting a Reiki morning June 23rd at Merriandale in Ossining. And the next Shine On weekend is August 17th through 19th at Graymore in Garrison. Put that on your calendar, call a girlfriend, and let's get together. Okay, now, have you ever dreamed of getting those thoughts of yours out of your head and onto a piece of paper and into a book? Why don't you? I met her first author, Alex Salmon, at a Shine On event last spring, and I asked her what her passion was. And although she's successful working as a realtor in Massachusetts, her love is writing. So I said, Alex, if you write the book, you can come on the show. And I was delighted to get her email the other day. Search Amazon for Above the Flatlands by Alexandra Salmon. When did she know She was going
1: to write Honestly When I was probably About three I just knew This is what I wanted to do I always loved Having my mom Read to me And when I Learned how to read Shortly after that Reading on my own I just loved it Just consumed Everything I possibly could Because it just Brought me so much joy And I I think Probably how it started Is my sister and I We would like Draw pictures And I would Make up stories About the people Or the things That I was drawing And that was really my favorite part because I really can't draw so I would tell these stories to, you know, my mom and you know, my dad and the other adults around. And it was interesting because I could tell that they weren't just like, you know, placating me. They were really impressed. They were like, you know, wow, you really have a gift for this. I just remember thinking to myself, okay, well, this is what I'll do.
0: When did you finally just decide to dive in and write the darn book?
1: My whole life, I've always written little stories and had ideas for books, short stories, novels. It's interesting because I had trouble finishing the novels. This one it took me eight years to write, but I, I would always write little short stories and share them with my friends. That was really the one thing that I did best, and that brought me the most joy. So it's always been a part of my life.
0: Alex Salmon is our guest. Above the Flatlands is the book she wrote. Took her eight years to do it. Now tell us about the story.
1: So it's about this family from Massachusetts who has to go into the witness protection program. They go to Michigan and try to to restart their lives and put the past behind them, but your past always catches up to you, I think, no matter who you are, and it certainly does with this family.
0: Wonderful. All right, who are some of the characters we'll meet in your
1: book? All their names get changed when they have to go into the Witness Protection Program, but it centers around the the parents, James and Ellen, the mom and the dad, and then their kids. Claire is the main character, and she changes her name to Charlotte once she goes into Witness Protection. Her younger sister, Isabel is sort of the wild child and she reluctantly chooses to go into the program for her own safety but chooses to go away from the family and then the younger brother who um, finds his own success in this new life but really grapples with the weight of burying the old life. When you're young, I think you want to feel like you can make your life whatever you want it to be. And what they find is that, you know, they're kind of restricted in how they can create their own besties because they have to protect this secret. And it's from nothing that they've done.
0: Right. Above the Flatlands is the book available on Amazon, and we can find more about you where, Alex?
1: Follow me uh, on Instagram at Alexandra J. Salmon. Uh, so on Twitter, Alexandra Salmon. I have a Facebook page, Alexandra Salmon Author, and then I blog on Medium, medium.com slash Alexandra Salmon. Now, is
0: there anything else our listeners need to know this morning?
1: You know what? This was my lifelong dream. This is all I dreamed about as a little girl was writing my own book, having it in my hands and knowing that I did it. And it took a while, but I was able to realize that dream. And just for anybody to read it and care about it. it is a dream come true and a blessing on anything I could have imagined. So I just want to thank everybody so much for listening and for even spending the time and energy on it.
0: Are you going to write another? Of course. Of course. Above the Flatlands by Alexandra Salmon. Put it on your summer reading list. Next, meet Mary Prenon. We worked together in radio back in the 90s. If you struggle with gaining back the same 20 pounds, oh, her book may help you a lot. It's called I'm Lazy and I Love to Eat.
2: Mary? Well, I had several different names because it took me 19 years to write (laughs) because I couldn't (laughs) lose the weight. But I think... Probably a, a couple years ago when I was kind of polishing it up and finishing it up. Because that's been the story of my life. I was lazy and I love to eat. I still love to eat, but I'm not so lazy anymore. But um, that's when it hit me. <laughs> so you said, I'll write a book after I lose... After I lose, I wanted to... My goal was 50 pounds, and that's what I did. And I actually started writing it in 1998, if you can believe that. And I started out, you know, with all great intentions, just like everybody else. And then life got in the way, and then I kept losing and gaining the same 20 pounds over years and years and years. And then for some years, I didn't even weigh myself. (laughs) And then in 2015, I started to get really serious about it and um, made exercise a priority in my life and then kind of went on a a low-sodium diet. And that really took off after that.
0: All right. So It took me a
2: heck of a long time (laughs) to figure that out. (laughs) You know,
0: it's a journey. It's a journey. So the weight is off and you're keeping it off and 19 years to write the book, I'm lazy and I love to eat. So this isn't just your personal story. You've got some great advice in here for other people who are on this journey, right?
2: I do. I do, you know, and I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a personal trainer. I'm just a regular middle-aged woman trying to, you know, stay healthy. So I kind of put down what worked for me. For me, exercise was the key. You don't have to join a gym. As long as you're moving, doing something, you can walk, you can go swimming, you can roller skate, whatever you want to do, just to be active every day for at least 30 minutes. And you can break it up. You can do 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. And once you get that going, you the momentum that kind of makes you feel better and then you don't want to ruin it all by, you know, stuffing like a pizza down your throat. So so it kind of goes hand in hand. But for me, that's the advice I would give to people is start with just getting some type of movement in every day. Every day. That's going to set the ball rolling.
0: Every day. Break a sweat every day. All right. So when you finally said, hey, I did it, And I wrote the book. What did that feel like?
2: I'm still in disbelief. Because, you know, I've been at this thing for so long And it it includes all these funny stories about places where I used to work Um, As as you know, I worked in radio And funny stories about my early days in radio When we would, you know, raid the sales department meetings And take all the bagels And, (laughs) you know, it's just I've, I've really changed my eating habits I've changed my fitness habits And it's still hard to believe You know, it's still a struggle It's not easy every day. I have to, you know, I fall off the wagon. You know, I had a bagel the other day. I loved it. But, you know, I get right back on again. But it's always going to be a struggle. But I, I still can't believe the scale sometimes when I look. And, oh, my gosh, how did I do that? You know? Yeah. Um, it's perseverance, and I always just believed that it would happen and I never gave up.
0: You never gave up in 19 years. How did she do it? you got to read the book, I'm Lazy and I Love to Eat by Mary Prenon. Absolutely fabulous. Wonderful that you can share the journey with us and also give us some great suggestions for how to eat and how to grocery shop and do's and don'ts. So, you know, good. We appreciate all the information and education you're giving us. Now I have to ask you a question. Okay. What are you going to do with the next night? 19 (laughs) years.
2: I've been. People have been asking me that, so I don't know. It's it's uh, it's whirling around in my mind. I'll come up with something. Yeah. As long as it's funny, I'll come up with another
0: thing. book then.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. All right, terrific.
0: Now when you when you got this back from the printer and you held it in your hands and it's a beautiful colorful book with a picture of like you in a hammock with your burgers and fries and your kitties in your front yes. lawn, when you held the book in your hand, how did it feel?
2: It just it just felt kind of surreal because it, it was I couldn't believe it. I was like, did I really did I really do this? and and it's me like everything I have a good friend of mine who's a graphic artist did the cover and I described to her what I wanted and she just did it perfectly. and I was like, wow I, I really I really did it. It's like I said it's it's I look at it and I, sometimes I can't believe it.
0: Do you have a page where we can go to find out more about you, a website or anything like that?
2: You can go, I actually have, I haven't set up a website for the book, but if you just go onto Amazon.com mm. and just type in the name of the book, it'll come up and there's a little background about myself, where I've worked and you know, kind of my background is in print and broadcast news right. and now I'm doing uh, communications full time you can find more on amazon.com.
0: Super. All right. Now, are you call, have you called your local library yet and your local civic groups and say, "Hey, I want to come talk about my book?"
2: No, but that's a wonderful idea. Girlfriend, that's get yourself a on idea.
0: a book tour. Get yourself on a book <laughs> tour. Honestly, your local Barnes & Noble, they will take you. Yeah. Um, your local library, your local rotary club, you you know how to write a press release. So, get sure. your get yourself out on a book tour.
2: That's a great idea.
0: Mary Prenon, this is a great idea. I'm Lazy and I Love to Eat by Mary T. Prenon. Look for her at a library near you. She's a gem. And now meet someone I love very much. My Aunt Jerry. Geraldine Bertolini Lynch, my mother's sister, has the sweetest story you ever did hear. Aunt Jerry, at her soul, I believe is an entertainer. She's always had a magical way, way back when with her Girl Scout talent shows, when her kids were little, and then with her own exercise class back in those Jane Fonda days. And when she retired to the villages in Florida, she looked around and saw this growing community had every type of senior sports team, but no cheerleaders. So she created a cheerleading squad that is over 130 strong today. They dress in matching white skirts and red tops and bring their pom-poms and dance routines to every parade and celebration while raising thousands and thousands of dollars for charities. Now, Aunt Jar is used to being interviewed by the media for her cheerleaders, but today it's
3: all about her new book, Buzzy the Bee. Well, actually, this story started many years ago, when my daughter, Kathleen, was in middle school. Their teacher, English teacher, asked them to write little stories. So um, she came to me not knowing how to start, and I said, well, you know, at that time, being much younger, I could do rhyming so quickly. It was just second nature to me. So I said... Well, let's try putting some, a rhyming story together. And I started with just rhyming so that she could help with a little rhyme here and there. Uh-huh. And that's how Buzzy the Bee started. But my family wouldn't let Buzzy go. They loved it so much. Every time they got together, it was talk of Buzzy the Bee. Mom, you have to publish it. Mom publish it. Well, I had six children and there's no thoughts of publishing anything at that time. So uh, I would just smile and, and ignore it. Well, years later, and I'm saying years later, I retired, came to the villages. They came for one of my birthdays. Not sure if it was 75 or 80, I'm 83 now. And they gave me this small computer, a little one that's just a little bigger than the iPad. For me to take back and forth to New York as I travel. Well, there they are, all circled around me, and my son says, Mom, read what's in there. Of course, they had put in Buzzy the Bee. Oh, they put it in
0: your computer?
3: On the computer, yes. So I had to read it, and they went on again, Mom, you should be publishing this, you know that. Well, <laughs> and I, again, thought it was adorable that they felt this way, and just smiled. And let it go last christmas we were all at my daughter's and it's very rare that they're all together because you know as uh, you get older you have to go to the in-laws and so on so not everyone gets together but there they were all together and they said mom come and sit down well i thought oh i hope they don't give me a gift that i can't carry in my suitcase <laughs> <laughs> go home. And um, all of a sudden, my daughter comes out in this funny outfit, adorable, funny outfit. My son, Bobby, who did all the illustrations, had painted a shirt plaid because that's what was wrong. Buzzy wasn't uh, happy because she was...
0: He was plaid.
3: Poor Buzzy was plaid. <laughs> <of> course, yeah. <laughs> And of course the, the, you know, the bullying, the story is about bullying and getting past it. Well, here comes my daughter dressed as Buzzy. And with that, my son Bobby, who did the illustrations, holds up this adorable book that's in uh, blue, a light blue, uh, and illustrated with Buzzy on the front. And he said, Mom, we've done it, you're an author. Oh my heavens, it was just, the beauty of it was in their faces. It, it was just it just amazing to me that all these years, they wouldn't let Buzzy the Bee die. And they were just so proud to do it on their own. So it was just one of the greatest gifts at Christmas a mother could ever receive. Just something that every mother should feel, the beauty of all their children in one thought. Yeah. Just happiness. So it's
0: it's a great thing. It is a great thing. Now you are a published author. You are a published author. I ordered your book off Amazon (laughs) by Jerry Lynch. I mean, do you think you'll write another one? Do you feel so inspired, or how do you feel?
3: Well, actually, right now I have notes all over the house. They've got me rhyming again, which I haven't thought of in years. And uh, but cute as can be, little thoughts that do come to mind are now down on paper and <laughs> one never knows. What's going to happen next?
0: One never knows. I see Buzzy the Bee stuffed animals. I see Buzzy the Bee t-shirts. I see Buzzy the Bee uh, sheets for the kids' bed. Curtains, too. What do you think of that?
3: Well, I think it's adorable. And uh, you're much like my children. You just have such a caring way. It's just great. Uh, you know, one of the one of the notes that I had, that um, because... Buzzy is now happy, and he met this lovely little Mindy who is also plaid. And they, of course, were, fell in love immediately. But now the, it goes on to kind of teach the kids about anger and so on. And I put, all well, angry thoughts begin in our head, words and thoughts that shouldn't be said. So take a deep breath before you start, and filter those words through your heart. They're getting me to rhyme again. (laughs) It's fun.
0: It's fun. And she's an author. Jerry Lynch, Buzzy the Bee, is a great book. Get it on Amazon and give it to the little ones in your life. And if you've ever said, one day I'm going to write a book, maybe you can start today. Good luck. A psychotherapist from Brooklyn has written her first book, and it can help you find love. That's next. Reiki is the world's most popular form of energy healing. Now you have an opportunity to study Reiki from one of the world's leading Reiki masters. Brett Bevel is an internationally published author and works with some of Hollywood's elite, endorsed by Kariana Naba from Dancing with the Stars. Reiki master Brett Bevel is offering a first and second degree Reiki training the weekend of June 29th through July 1st at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck. And if you already have Reiki training, Brett and several leading Reiki authors are offering the Power of Reiki Conference at Omega Institute, June 1st through 3rd. There you can learn new techniques to deepen your Reiki practice. Learn more about Brett at brettbevel.com and learn more about these transformational Reiki workshops at eomega.org. That's the Power of Reiki Conference, June 1st through 3rd and the Reiki Training Weekend, June 29th through July 1st. Find more at brettbevel.com. That's brettbevel.com. Hi, it's Casey. Looking for love? Here's a little help. Brooklyn therapist Shamin Ajan. How did she become a CBT therapist for love?
4: You know, I started my practice not knowing exactly what the population was that I was going to work with. And I had a supervisor once tell me, you get the clients that you need. And over the years, I started to get a lot of 20 something, 30 something, 40 something singles who weren't necessarily coming to me for issues with dating. But inevitably, dating becomes a topic, and it's a real struggle for people out there. And I noticed it was a common struggle that, you know, single after single was coming in, um, experiencing distress over. That's just where it kind of grew from, and I've always been a little bit of a matchmaker at heart.
0: Ah, oh, you know what? Me too. I love to connect the dots. Love to connect the dots. <laughs> I've had no success connecting the dots with couples. I'm sure your success rate is much better. So, what is... Is CBT, cognitive behavior therapy, and how do I need this to find a soulmate?
2: Okay, so CBT is the
4: most evidence-based treatment uh, model there is out there. There's lots of studies and research. In simple terms, CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy is all about understanding how your thoughts affect the way you feel, how your feelings affect the way you behave, how your behaviors affect the way you think, and vice versa. They're all interconnected. And so, Dating, you have a lot of thoughts, you have a lot of feelings, and you have a lot of behaviors that affect how you are going, how successful you're going to be at dating. And so, once you can start to understand how the thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are interplaying and might be impacting your success rate, yeah. then you can
1: start to make adjustments.
0: All right, so I'm going to guess that we can sometimes sabotage ourselves by oh, yeah. by not knowing what our thoughts under the surface are.
4: Oh yeah, we sabotage ourselves constantly. We have automatic thoughts all the time. I think it's something like 70,000 thoughts a day. And so imagine how many thoughts just kind of happen and you're not able to even identify at the time. And so really practicing, uh, learning how to to understand your thoughts, to observe your thoughts, to notice your thoughts gives you that opportunity then to decide whether or not that thought is just an idea, whether it's valid, whether there's some truth to it, whether there's no truth to it at all, and then how you can then move on from that point okay. instead of just being reactive to it.
0: Ditch the dating game and find the real connection. Seeking soulmate, that's the topic with Shamin A John. Shamin here I am. I'm at your office, I'm lying down on your couch. I know you you probably don't have a couch for me to lie down. I do. I have a nice, tufted couch. All right. I'm on your tufted couch, (laughs) and I can't find love. Where do we start?
4: All right. Well, we start by going through the history. I want to know why you can't find love or why you think you can't find love. I want to know about your first relationship, starting with your your those important initial relationships with your family. What does intimacy mean to you? You know, how did you identify intimacy as a child? And that's where we really form those ideas of intimacy. As a child, intimacy is all about connection. It's all about feeling comfort, feeling cared for. Um, And then I want to know about those first experiences that you had with crushes, with rejection, with being able to then put yourself out there again after being rejected, and then what your successes and what your failures were. And we want dig in there and we want to see what's worked and what maybe hasn't worked so well
0: right all right we're going to be here a long time just letting you know (laughs) Uh, Shemin okay now I I have a first date and and I'm heading Uh out what do I need to do
4: Okay so I really really love the approach a first date and you're probably going to guess this I like to do it very mindfully and to me that means practicing some mindfulness ahead of time mindfulness is all about being in the present moment it's all about being aware of your thoughts it's all about being aware Of any judgments that you have and I want for you to take a little bit of time to maybe practice a quick meditation or a quick breathing exercise or any other kind of mindful activity. Anything can be mindful, but any kind of mindful activity to help you start from a more balanced place. And then I want for you to become more aware of any negative thoughts or worries or feelings or stressors that you might have going into the date. And what that does is it helps you to be able to identify it when you're on the date and be able to put it in its place instead of saying, oh, my gosh, I'm feeling really anxious right now. That probably means that I shouldn't be on this date at all. No, I was feeling anxious prior to this date. I'm just a little bit nervous or I've had some bad experiences and I don't want to color this new experience with those bad experiences. And so it helps you to be able to identify it ahead of time and then to when it pops up,
0: be able to recognize it for what it is Shamin Ajan, a brooklyn therapist seeking soulmate is her first book on amazon so if you're a professional and think there's a book in you too write the darn book our thoughts for the day come from authors philip roth said the road to hell is paved with works in progress stephen king said the road to hell is paved with adverbs And Ernest Hemingway said, we're all apprentices in a craft where no one ever becomes a master. Shine up!